I always think that if someone's going to share something, they should know something that they're talking about. And it just so happens, I am an expert on what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about losing things. So I have a very good, strong ability to do this. Typically what happens to me is I lose something. And of course, whenever you lose something, you don't realize you're losing it. So it happens, but you don't realize you've lost it. And about a day later, or sometime later, I, I realize it comes to mind. I don't know where this thing is, and I should find this thing. So then I start thinking, where did I last have that thing? And so sure enough, I go through and I retrace my steps. Well, I know I had it here. I know I did this. And then what happened next? So then I can, you know, I search that pants pocket or that drawer or whatever. And then it doesn't get found. It doesn't get found. And I think some more. I search some more. I'm frantic. I, the anxiety raises. And I start wandering more and more. And I get urgently looking for this thing, whatever it is I'm missing. And then I, oh, it gets worse and worse. And then finally I find it. And I, I want to just hug it. And I will never let it leave my sight ever again, this precious thing that I lost. And I will always hang on to it. And I do really well until next week when I lose it again. Um, I, there's one thing I, I lost. There's pictures of keys up there. I, where, I, I worked at this place where they had these non-duplicate keys. You ever work at a place or have a key that says do not duplicate? So I worked at a place that had this place. You cannot duplicate these keys. They don't want so many copies of these keys floating around. And shortly after I started working there, I lost that key. And so they gave me a new one. And they said, do not lose this key ever again. If you lose this second key, we have to rekey the entire building because we don't know where these keys are. They're out. There's too many of them. Do not lose that key. So, of course, what did I do? Not immediately, but what did I do? I lost the key. All right. Well, I knew this is trouble. So I started thinking back, started searching, and I looked, and I looked and looked and looked. I was going to give my best effort. I was going to find, I didn't care what it would take. I emptied bins and drawers. I searched every pocket for this key. It was, it had to be found. It had to be found. This key had to be found. And so I looked everywhere. It stretched from one day to two from two days to three. And I kept on searching and searching and searching. And I was getting a little bit worried because I knew at some point, I'm going to have to tell these people that get keys made and re- I'm going to have to tell them what happened. And it was getting really tricky to get to my work because you have to, I had to find workarounds to get into the, the facility and do the things I needed to without this key. It was getting tricky to do my job. And... One day, I came to work, and there's this little mini fridge. And of course, where was, where's my key? It was, it was, of course, in the mini fridge. It was on a lanyard just like this one, sitting there in, a, in the top shelf towards the back. And of course, it's always the last place you look. Um, but there was that key. Oh, the relief to know that I had found it. To know that I had what was lost. I, now, I, I lose things by, I 
almost always find stuff. I mean, I, I do lose things more than most, but I almost always find it. And it's amazing to me, as much as I lose things, there still is that anxiety when you lose something. There still is that fear, that worry. And it never ceases to also give me peace and, I don't know, joy even on some level. When you find that lost whatever has been missing. To the degree that that item or thing is valuable is the degree to which the, the anxiety is and the degree to the joy and the peace when it is found again. Now I would imagine everybody in this room has lost something somewhere along the way. And the most valuable thing that we might lose, we might lose someday a person. And we're going to talk about what God thinks about losing a person and what he thinks when he finds a person. Let's go ahead and let's look at some scripture. This is out of Matthew chapter 18. You can find it. Um, I'll be reading from the New International Version. But you can find it in your Version Bible app as well. We'll be talking about what it means. Jesus told a story once. It's far more valuable than about a key to a building. You could re-key if you needed to. This is about life. And the question I would ask for you, what is a life worth? Think of a person in your life that's really valuable to you. What is that life worth to you? The premise of this, mis- of this message today is, is about what this value is, this person might be. And we're going to find that it's, it's always about a relationship. It's about sharing truth. And it's trusting in Jesus and not ourselves to restore what has been lost. At Bethany, we have this value. We have this value in people, and I hope that this value might be the highest one that we hold. If you look at that sign out in the lobby, you can see our different values. There's humility, authenticity, honor, and faithfulness. We, we look at faithfulness, it says encouraging one another and dedication to the mission. So we value the people that are around us and we want to encourage them, lift them up, and we are dedicated to this mission, this mission of bringing others around us into what God is doing. And it all goes back to faithfulness. Let's, let's remind ourselves of this. The faithfulness that we might have, it, it only can stem from God's faithfulness to us. God is dedicated to his people. How dedicated is God to his people? How great a cost can we even imagine? And I realize that many of us in this room have heard that story before, but let's not forget this morning how dedicated and how deep is our Father's love for us. Do we have that same value for other people? I believe that each and every person we meet is Got, has got that value. 
There's a list of people, maybe if you were to put that checklist together right now, there's a list of people that you are deeply committed to, and you could write their name. You could maybe see their picture right now in your mind. These are people that you are deeply committed to. And this message this morning is, is for them, it's especially for those that we believe may not be with God like we believe they need to be with God. Who is on that valued list for us? I wonder if we could expand that list just a little bit. Let's read, before I go too far, let's go ahead and read this story out of Matthew chapter 18. It's called the parable of the lost sheep. We'll read Matthew chapter 18, 10 through 14. See that you do not look down on these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. This passage clarifies exactly who these lost sheep are. It's for the children. And I'd like to clarify, we are all children of God. Every single person that you might meet is a child of God. While we are talking about the lost and the lost people and the lost whomever, who are the lost? We are. All of us are. The only maybe reason why we're more found than what we were before is because God found us first. That is the lost. This is who it is. While this passage is about all people, it is especially powerful when we consider those under our care. I met someone here at Bethany that likes to call the people underneath their care the people underneath their umbrella, the people that they look over and they, they watch over. And that picture was a good one for me because the, the way they saw it, they, they saw them as people that they, they were under their care that were looking out for them. And maybe our definition of who is under our care, under our umbrella, needs to get a little bit bigger. If I could stretch your definition of umbrella, I would, I would try to do that. In your program, there's some blanks you can fill out. The first one is them and us. It's easy within the church to think of those that are out there and those of us that are in here, it's them and us. Those people out there and then the people that I know, the people under my care and the further. What I would say is if, if you could really just maybe erase that and sign, it's all one group as far as God's concerned. There's all a whole bunch of lost people. Maybe some people are less lost right now than others, but God Loves and he's looking for every single one of his lost children. And let us not think that we are so far ahead of anyone. All of us need to be brought closer to where he is. 
in the book of Isaiah, you can read a passage. You can read a passage that talks about how he will expand the, the tent of Abraham to cover all people. He's talking about not just the Jewish people, but all people of this world. He wishes that all the people of the world would be underneath his umbrella, underneath his care. But some have wandered off. I believe Jesus would have us stretch our tent out as well. So that it goes beyond just the people in our immediate circle. It's not just them and us. It's all of us together. And this is where it starts to maybe help us understand a little better what relationship is. When Jesus cared for his people, you start to see the relationship he had. Relationship with Jesus. This is where it all starts. Think about what it meant for Jesus. When he understood the relationship he wanted with his people, it led to a mission for him. When we understand our relationship to the people around us, it leads to a, a mission with him, our own mission. If I could take you back to the, to the week of the, of the triumphal entry, there's a passage, it's just powerful in my mind, he was walking from Bethany, the city of Bethany, from the Mount of Olives. He's walking into Jerusalem. He could see the city below him. And we're told that when Jesus saw the city of Jerusalem, to him it was like sheep without a shepherd. That lost, he didn't see just one lost sheep. He saw a whole city full of lost sheep. And we are told that he wept over his city. I hope that one of the things that goes on in my heart and my mind is I care about all the people that are in our community. And can I just be honest? Some people are just a little easier to love and care for than others. I wish I could say I care for all the people, but I don't. I'm just, just going to try to be honest here. I, I love all people, but I just love some people more than others. So what do we do about that? I'm asking God to speak into my own heart, my own life. Can I care? And I, I'm just telling you, there's, there's people that stopped by. There's a person that stopped by earlier this week. And, man, I was, just because, this is terrible. This is, just, this is really bad. Just because of how they looked, I had a hard time really caring for them. And I, I'm, not a, I'm not happy about that. I look at myself, I go, why do I let that out? I, do we all know that man, does not, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart? We should be looking at people's hearts, right? So why was it affecting? I was not, and I'm realizing as I'm sitting here talking to this person, I'm letting their outward appearance affect how I could see their heart. God, forgive me. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he understood that all people are lost. We live in a disrupted world. And we do not, our world does not see people equally. Our, our world does not see everyone with value. But he calls us to see each and every one and have intrinsic value to each person. This is a value of the heart. The, the, the value that we're talking about, this is a value at the heart and core of who Jesus is. Who does Jesus love? He loves all the little children. Red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. 
A relationship with God leads us to go on mission with him because we say, if Jesus could go and leave his heaven and he could go on earth, then I can do the same thing. And when he has spoken that truth and we start to hear it in our hearts, we realize that bringing the people that we care about under, instead of our umbrella, bringing it under his umbrella is the greatest thing that we could do. There's nothing better than that. So what might we do? We might seek relationship. The next line in your program says, seek relationships. 18 verse 12. Oh, by the way, um, oh, let me read this. And then we'll, If you look in your Bible, you probably don't, you're like, where's verse 11? Look carefully. It's probably not there. But we'll get to that in a second. Matthew 18 verse 12. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 in the mountains and go in search of the one that went away? This parable is recorded in Matthew chapter 18, but you can see a parallel parable, the, the same story in Luke chapter 15. And there are some small yet significant differences in this story. From some of the commentaries that I read, it's, it's believed that Jesus probably told this parable several times. And depending on the emphasis that Jesus was wanting to convey, he probably let different things come out more. It's like when you might tell a story. Think of how you tell stories. Depending on the audience that you're around, you might emphasize different parts of the story. That's what Jesus may have been doing with this. That's why we might have different things. And both emphasis are important. Luke 15 seems to emphasize that lost person, that, that person that never knew Jesus that's just out there, that person that's just beyond reach, the, the lost tribe in the Amazon, uh, the 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 criminal in the prison system that never had Jesus, that kind of person. But Matthew seems to emphasize the one that knew God and wandered away. There's verse 11 is missing. If you look for it, it might not be there. It, at the bottom of my Bible, it's, it says, The Son of Man came to save what was lost. You can find that verse actually in, in Luke chapter 19. It may not have been in some of the original translations. What it's trying to convey though is see that you do not look down on one of these little ones for I tell you that the angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? The picture in my mind is this sheep that was with the flock. They had the truth. They knew what was going on. They were in community. They grew up. They probably had a great mom sheep and a great dad sheep. They probably went to sheep school. They probably did all the things that baby sheep do. They probably had been, uh, the, uh, wonder, they probably won awards for being a good sheep. I don't know. I wasn't there. But they, they were a wonderful little sheep. Perfect in every way. God made that sheep just the way that he meant to make that sheep. And you know what happened to that sheep? It wandered off. 
Do you know what it's like to lose a little sheep? Now, maybe you don't have one, but you know what it's like, don't you? What it's like to have that one go away? That might be the greatest hurt that someone will ever deal with. My Uncle Greg is a, he's a Bible college professor. He preaches. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's in charge of a whole department at Trinity Evangelical uh, College. Not the, not, the, not the seminary. He's at the college. He's got three boys. And they're all about my age. One's um, almost my age, and the next two are a little bit younger. His two younger ones, and they, I mean, they've been to Awana. They did all the years. You talk about Awana, they've been to every Awana. They've been to Bible camp. Um, the oldest one went to Bible college. He was on my dorm. They know everything there is to know. Do you want to know a Bible verse? They probably don't. His, their dad is a Bible college professor. How much do you need to know about the Bible? How much do you need to more, right? But it's it's they know enough. My of those three boys, the two younger ones, um, they're I I don't know where they stand, but they they both have been married now. They're both divorced, and they're younger than me. The oldest one still is married, but he's married to a man. So how does how does this all work? Can you can can we walk them through a process and say? Oh, you need to just know this verse, and then it'll all make sense. Do they know those verses? Of course they do. You're gonna, okay, you're going you're gonna, to... What is going on here then? I've had many conversations with my uncle, Uncle Greg, about this. Because those, those, are, those are my cousins. I grew up we, at Christmas and Thanksgiving, summer... My cousin Jeff, I, I re- he's married to a great guy. He really is a nice guy. He, and I, I don't, I'm not just saying that. He's a really, but is it where God's plan would want him to be? No. It's not necessarily a matter of truth. It's a matter of separation. And when we see our loved ones separated, it brings hurt to our lives. So what should we do about it? If we love someone, something is going to happen. Like a shepherd missing a sheep, like a person missing a valuable item, like a person desperate for a relationship, to happen, we might leave all of this to help it to be so. But the only way this can work is if there is relationship. It starts with valuing a person because they are a person, precious in God's sight. It doesn't, let's, let's be honest, knowing more truth does not always save people. It's where is the heart behind where that truth is coming from. That's where it begins. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, this one that he proudly knew close, 
the one that he loved so dearly. He loved them all. What did he do? Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for that one that went astray? Our desire for God to know, our desire for people to know God, it can only come through most clearly if we are in relationship with those around us, that they know that we care, that we know that we love them, that it's coming from a place that we care for them. And when our hearts begin to understand these people, I believe it's only then that we will urgently be interested in seeking them. So we value all people. We need to value all people. We need to look for all people. And the, the reason why I say that is while we want to bring in our lost sheep, and we maybe has it ever thought, this is, this is the thought that just came to me as I was looking at this passage, maybe I can't save my lost sheep. I can't do it. There is a sheep in my, um, under my umbrella, under my care, the person I care about. I can no longer reach. They're no longer able to hear from me. But maybe, maybe there is someone else, some other shepherd, somewhere else. God's got it sorted. He might send that shepherd to catch and help with my wandering sheep. Wouldn't that be good? Would you pray for that? Maybe you can't reach your sheep, but maybe someone else could. Maybe there's another shepherd that needs to go there. As we value all people, we begin to realize that maybe I can't save my own sheep, but I'm going I'm to save this one, this one over here. I'm going to make a difference in because, because someone's going to do that for me over here, and I care for my person so much, I might, I might do that. So we value all people. In order to develop the kind of relationships that we need, just some things to think about, um, we need to make that relationship right. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm the first person that needs to be, like if I could right now, I should be sitting right here and taking notes, all right, about what I'm about to say, because I don't do this the way that I would like to. First is we should never get so preoccupied in our own advancement of Christian service that we forget about the people we love. We should not get so caught up into all the things that we think are so important that we forget about the people that we care about most. That can, can we just all agree that people know if we really care about them? And they also know if we're just doing our, our stuff, accomplishing what we are supposed to be doing. So never get so preoccupied with our stuff that we forget the people that we love. And next, God never rested until that 100th sheep was restored. Listen to that verse again. Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? He goes and looks for him. And it doesn't say when he came back. He doesn't say there's no timeline. And he tried it one night. He, he was for a week. And until, I can just tell you, until I found the key, I had to, I had to keep on looking for it. I never stopped looking for it because there's only one solution 
for my predicament at my work. I had to get that key back. There's only one solution for that wandering sheep. They have to be brought back. God never rested until that sheep was restored. Now, if you would like to know a little bit more about how that restoration process happened, once the person is brought back, it's interesting. I always think it's interesting how these things are written, how they're put together. If you read Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 19, you can see how the process of restoration could happen. I, I don't think we have time to go there today. That's a whole nother process and way of how that might work. But if, you're, if you have a person that you are know it's time for that restoration to happen, this will help you understand what it is. Before I leave this, this section about seeking relationships, one thing I must emphasize, I believe this is a core truth to what this value is, if anyone is to be found, if anyone is to be restored, it will be God that does this, not us. So I, I hope that doesn't limit you. So you might say, well, if God's going to do it, then I don't have to do anything. No, I, th- I believe God will use people that go out and seek and help others, but it won't be us that do the restoration. It will be God in us. It will be God through us. It will be God speaking words. And maybe, if, I know this has happened to me, I'm speaking to someone and the words come out of my mouth, but I know they're not my words. God said those words. I know sometimes I might say the most, what I think are the most eloquent, beautiful words, and nothing happens, and I stumble over my thoughts, I can't spit it out, and this person seems to just go onto the right track. That should, you know, to me, it's been reminded to me over and again, who does the saving around here? Jesus does. Let it never be confused that we are going about the business of saving people. God does this. A culture change, I shouldn't say culture change, uh, the culture that we're trying to be here at Bethany, and I believe we have it, but we're, we always need to be reminded and go back to it and go for more, and that is we value all people and we seek to instill and encourage and reach and go beyond based on the value of people because of who their creator is. Perhaps we can even get to the point where we value others more than we value ourselves. So what Jesus is doing here, he's showing the way and now he's, he's going to speak some truth. And there's some truth I think we could listen to here as well. Verse 13 says, And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should be lost. Jesus is always looking for ways to speak truth into the life of his people. And the truth he most wants is for the gospel to come into our life and bring us to where we need to be. Think about it. How ridiculous would it be if the sheep got lost and the shepherd went out and he found the sheep? What is he going to do then? Oh, I'm so glad I found the sheep. He's right where, look at, he's happy. He's by the creek. He's enjoying a little grass. Okay, see you later, little sheep. You know, does he do that? No, that's crazy, right? What does he do? 
by any means he needs to, he gets that sheep. Is it that shepherd crook or is it with his hands or chasing it? I don't know what he does. We're not told exactly how it happened. What do you know he's doing? He's bringing that sheep back. It is unacceptable for that sheep, if it's going to be under God's umbrella, God's protection, to be anywhere but back with his other, his other sheep. This is the gospel. This is the, the gospel is this truth. There is one way to the Father in heaven. We are not helping people if we just love on people. We also need to communicate the truth of the gospel in being right with him. This truth can cut us deep because sometimes we think, oh, it's this information or this thing or whatever. But no, it is the truth of the gospel that will save people, not us. I'd like to try to put these things together. So we should speak truth to all people. That's the last line in, 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 your, in your outline there. But there's a, something underneath it. I believe you can, you can read it there. It says, relationships and truth, relationship comes first. So we need to have relationship and truth coming into our life to, to bring in these wandering sheep. But relationship comes first. This truth is coming to us from Jesus. But the truth means more and it cuts more and it's more real to us, especially of those of us that have a relationship with Jesus. And the reason is because we realize this is the truth we need to have. It, it means more because of the relationship we have. We need, we need relationship with Jesus and we need his truth, but it's because of the relationship we have with him that it grows in its value. As we know Jesus loves us, as, as we get to know him more, as we seek him more, as we grow to love him more, we begin to understand more and more that his truth really is the only way, the only truth, the only life that we could ever need and want. And while both of them happen, I would say even sometimes, almost instantly, they almost happen at the exact same time, relationship always comes first. I'd like you to think through your New Testament with what Jesus was doing and think about how he did that. When he met the woman at the well, he first started a conversation and he blew away all of her expectations about what it meant for separation between men and women, his status as a rabbi and her as a common person. He just had a conversation and he built relationship with her. But he didn't leave her there, did he? He brought to light her situation. You've been married to five men, and now you're living with a person that is not your husband. It's time to start changing these things. So he loved and he had a relationship, but he always brought truth. The relationship happened first. Think about that rich young ruler. Do you remember later in the Bible, Jesus met this rich young ruler. And Jesus had a conversation with him. What commandments have you followed? What have you done? And he listened to all these things. And he commended You are doing great. Awesome. Keep it up. Oh, and one more thing. Sell everything you have. What? He brought truth. He always made relationship, but he always brought truth. That's what our Jesus does. He does them both. Now, I wish we could do it better. I wish I could do that better. But that's what he does. 
Only being spirit-filled will this be possible for us as people. If we have that lost person in our life that we would love to see restored, how in the world can you speak that truth in a way that they can hear it? How can you help them know that you really just love them, that you want that relationship? How can you possibly communicate all these things? We want this to not just be a book. We want this to be life. How do you possibly communicate that there is no way in the world except by the Holy Spirit through His people that this might be so? We value encouraging relationship, encouraging that, restoring relationship, and we value our mission. We value the gospel. It's not one, it's not the other, it's both together, this truth for living life. If we're honest, we, we realize we have all lost something. And I'm not talking about keys. We've lost a person. We've lost someone. Maybe even in some levels, maybe we've lost ourselves. We look inside and we say, I don't know if I have my heart in the right spot. So living out this mission is not just a it's not just a nice thing. Oh, we should we should do that. Yep, that's a nice thing. No, it's this is life. This is the gospel. A gentleman named George a gentleman named George Gallup Jr. did a survey once and he found that Americans are some of the most lonely people on earth. He dug a little further and he found the contributing factors to be our isolating culture, our urbanization, our technologies. Uh, Do you think smartphones are actually helping separate people? Probably, right? Consumerism. Here we have the wealthiest, most advanced, richest, whatever you want to define it. We have some of, we're the best. And we are some of the loneliest people on earth. If anybody needed the gospel, if somebody's got the internet, they can get the Bible. Does anybody not have access to the Bible in our country? In the language that they need it? Probably, it's, it's very small, right? And yet, how isolated are we? Independence is a value of our country, and yet it drives us to think we don't need others. But here's the truth. We need each other. We need community. We need Jesus. I praise God that Jesus restores community and he invites us to join in with what he's doing. And I can tell you right now, the only way that that can happen is with a humble heart. As our hearts become humble, as we become more humble, we realize, man, it's not going to be me. It's going to be what God might do through me. That is how that lost one is restored. That's how my world's going to be restored. That's how everything changes. My humility. Think about what Jesus did. He was the great high king. He was the great and awesome God, and he said, I'm right here with you. I'm right here. I'm right next to you in this. I want this just as badly as you. Your your loved one that's missing, I love them just as much as you. Let's do this together. Let's go. Where where are we going today? We're going to do this. I have one, one final story to maybe, at least for me, it brings it 
kind of all together for me. Uh, there's a, a guy that I take my chainsaw to. I got an old, I, got, I guess it's a vintage chainsaw. It's a 1970s chainsaw I got from my father-in-law. It needed to get fixed, so I took it to Robert. So I took my, my 40-year-old chainsaw to Robert and said, it, it needs fixing. So he, he took it, and he said, oh, it needs this, it needs this. Okay, I'll, I'll come back a little bit later. Well, last week I found out he'd been moved to the Wassa Manor. He's, Robert's older. He's 80-something. I don't know exactly how old he is. And he had to go to the Wassa Manor because he needed care. And then his heart and other things deteriorated. They had to move him to Aspirus. And so I, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see what Robert... I had to go visit somebody else from Bethany at the hospital. I said, I'll stop by and see Robert. Sure enough, I went in there and he was sleeping. And I sort of thought, good, right? Because I can pray a prayer, and then I can just get out of here. It, I didn't have enough time. Last week, I had too much stuff going on last week. I, I could just pray and then leave. And then I remember Pastor Kim, Pastor Kim, on, on Monday or Tuesday, whenever I saw him, he said, you know, one of the things I do is if I ever visit somebody in the hospital, if they're sleeping, I wake them up because I figure they can sleep later. And I thought at the time, that's crazy. Why do you let them sleep? But then I thought, you know what? He said, the Holy Spirit, I think, directed him to say that on Tuesday because he knew on Wednesday I would be seeing this guy. So, oh, okay. So I woke up Robert, and Robert's not in a good spot. He's just not. He's just not. He's, he's got a little cup over here. Been, he'd been sick. He'd gotten sick, and he threw up in his cup. He needed to be cared for. I mean, he's got stuff coming out of his mouth. He's got, his hands were dirty. It, it's just, it wasn't fun. You know, he's not doing well. I don't want to be in this room. And I, and I, I don't say this because I'm proud. I'm saying it because I wish I didn't feel this way. Again, I looked at the outward appearance. I got to look at this guy's heart. We started talking, and I care about Robert, but I didn't really care enough to be in the room right then. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'd love to, can I just tell you about him and then just leave it like that? We can pray for him and I can leave. I can let him, that was so much easier. But I was in the room. Okay, I'm going to wake him up. And he started telling me the story. He said, Joe, I got, it's like I have a sword two inches from my chest. Because he knew he was that close. And I, I know this man does not know Jesus. He's a lost sheep. And then he started telling me, he, he pulled out these papers. Now, why in the world he has this? He's got this bill. He's got a bill for $11,000 for chainsaw parts. He ordered $11,000 worth of chainsaw parts, like bars and chains and different things so he could keep running his chainsaw repair business. How is he going to have time to even... What in the world? His wife came in through the paper, not while I was there, but he said, my wife came in, showed me this bill, and she is angry because he cannot return, she cannot return those items. She's got $11,000 worth of chainsaw parts. So can I just, where is Robert at right now? His heart is not working. It's not looking good. He owes $11,000. And he can't pay it. He, he um, actually asked if I, would, if I could give him just like $3,000, he would pay me back 30% interest. And, and I, I, you know, I, 
I don't, first of all, I don't have that, but I, I was like, oh, Robert, I'm, I, I can't, I probably can't do that deal. Um, and his, his, rela- his relationship with his wife is not good right now. And he's got a sword this far from his chest. There's a lost sheep there, isn't there? What do we do about that? And I would imagine there's a lot of people in that same spot. They're lost. They're out there. They need something. What does, what does Robert need more than where does Robert need more than $11,000? He needs Jesus, right? And I didn't want to. But I said, this is, I knew, so I took his hand. And I didn't, can I just tell you, I really didn't want to take his hand. I didn't know what was on it. I, whatever. I, I just, I, ugh. but I knew that was the right thing to do at that moment. So I took his hand, I took his hand like this. I just hold it tight. And I go, Robert, we're going to pray right now. Because you need Jesus more than anything like this. So anyways, we prayed. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I don't tell this to say, oh, I did a great job. That day. I'm telling, unless Pastor Kim says something, unless the Holy Spirit moves, unless all this stuff happens, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I praise God, though. He's speaking to all of us. I think he's speaking to you. I think he can speak to any one of us, and he can restore and bring people to his place. Starts with a relationship. It means bringing the truth. And then we trust in God. We trust in him to make the difference. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that reminds us you are looking for lost things. I lose stuff all the time, and I praise you, Lord, that I found what I have. But Lord, I thank you most of all that you found us, you found me, and you're working to restore us to relationship with you. I pray that I pray for the lost ones that we can think of this morning, loved ones that we care about. Lord, I pray that we would be some of the ones that are helping bring restoration. I pray, Lord, that we'd also be some of the ones that can give praise and honor to you. Lord, we saw the light, Lord. No more darkness, no more night. Praise you, Lord. I saw the light. Lord, it's what you did, not our amazing words or how smart we are. It's what you have done. I praise you and thank you, Lord, that that is so. Lord, we lift up those lost ones. I pray that you'd bring, if not us, bring the right person to their life so they could be restored to your fellowship. It's well within your power. And Lord, we know you love them far more than we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple of words for you. If you would like to pray with someone before you leave today, we'll have some people up front that will pray with you. We invite you to do that. If you can stick around right towards the very beginning of the second service, we'll have some baptisms today. Lizzie Blanker, Matthew Lancaster, Gary Bazette are all going to be baptized a little bit later this morning. It's praise God. You're going to hear their stories and then you're going to see that. But if even if you can't stick around, praise God. That is happening. God is changing lives here at Bethany Church. That is amazing. And we get to be a part of it. There's a few things in your program if you could look through.